0: Today, I'm joined by Molly Gehring, who is a multidisciplinary artist from Pennsylvania. She is a graduate of Penn State Harrisburg, and her work celebrates the concept of imperfection through the inherent drama of color and contrast. Thank you so much for joining me today, Molly.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
2: Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. I'm very excited to be part of this interview. Um, as you know the thing that I am a multidisciplinary artist, i do um painting, I work in mixed media i do um i've recently decided to go off into a bit of wall sculpture um particularly using chicken wire, which has been exciting and a little painful if you're not careful with the you know pokey ends but um yeah, and so i really at the core of my practice is color i think it is. I love full saturation. I use colors straight out of the tube, whether it's, you know, the right choice or not, but, um, I don't believe in desaturation and I believe that color can make or break really whatever you're creating. And
1: could I ask, do you have a favorite
2: color? Oh my gosh. Um, pink, I think, <laughs> I think, pink. I, I really do like blue, believe it or not. I know that's the expected answer, but blue is, Blue is my other favorite color, but <laughs> no, I think I think for right now I'm going to say pink.
0: Do yeah, you know when you talked about pink and blue, it just reminded me of that Pantone uh, color. They had, I think, rose quartz, which was a lovely pink, and they had like a sunset-y sort of blue, and it just looked so beautiful together. It just looked lovely. Um, can you tell me what, a little bit about what your art process
2: is like? Oh, boy my art process is a first and foremost, it is a mess. Um, and I really like that. It is, um, I start by, uh, in the idea phase, I'm mostly just sitting around thinking about things that have just transpired in my life. But also I draw a lot of inspiration from, um, media, TV and movies specifically. I watch a lot of movies. I've always loved film. And, um, so I pick up all these little bits and pieces of things that impact me, either from film, either from my day to day life. And then I start trying to put together and see how I can make them kind of patchwork and fit together. And so um, then I get to the, uh, sometimes I sketch out and sometimes I don't. I try to be as intuitive as I can, because I believe that that is really who I am as an artist, but also I think that that's where you find the most truth. And, in- creation um and if i were to spend time you know measuring every single little detail and trying to plot out everything perfectly i am a perfectionist not in the way that like you know makes you really good at like studying or really good at remembering things but a perfectionist in the way that makes you like throw out a painting even you know after working on it for three days and i um so i try to stay kind of intuitive and just let the work take me to where it needs to go and then I, I, you know, there's a lot of surprises along the way. But it's important to me to have uh, those, you know, little moments of surprises. And not only for me, but uh, for people who view my work.
1: Um, as an
0: observer of your fantastic artwork, I feel the process of making um, the art um, is equally important to you. The process as well as the finished artwork. Um, am I correct in this assumption and can you please expand
2: further on this? Yes, you are. And it's funny that you bring that up because for many years I was very, um, results only kind of a person. I heard about every day in, you know, undergrad art school, I would hear things like trust the process, trust the process. And it would make me kind of angry because it's like, okay, I'm just trying to get this done. Like, and I think that, um, why would I trust the process? I don't really know the process. And so I would just kind of uh, not think about it and just try to get it done. But now as I've progressed in my art making and as I've grown as an artist and a person, I realize that, you know, the finished product is only half the story and the process really is kind of, it's where, it's where the rubber meets the road. It's kind of who I am. And it's, The choices that I make when I'm or don't make when I'm creating something are are going to inform the uh, final product. So I think that you can't really have one without the other. And so I've changed the uh, whole trust the process thing more into um, choosing to trust myself and to trust that, regardless of what I'm working on, I'm going to eventually make the wrong decision, but ultimately make the right decision for either a purse or either a piece or for myself.
0: It's really interesting that you mentioned that, you know, that the process is uh, important and initially you were sort of result uh, focused and then you sort of realized that, yes, you kind of need to let go a little bit and trust the process itself. And then in terms of, you know, making mistakes, things going wrong, that concept of imperfection, why, why do you think it's important for us as a society to celebrate this
2: concept of imperfection? Oh my goodness, I think imperfection is the most human thing we can you know uh really try to push these days, especially because you know in as technology progresses and as life progresses, it is so wonderful that we have so many things becoming automated and more perfect, like you know in um you think of about medicine the things they can do with surgery and you can have almost you know no problems with a certain procedure when 50 years ago someone would have died because of it um i think it is so wonderful that we have gotten into this wonderful really uh important kind of automation but on the other hand i think we're losing a lot of the human touch in things we're not um like if we buy furniture we're going to ikea we're going to things that are pre-made and there's no Or less of the human hand involved, and I think that, um, particularly in art, I think that we need that evidence of the human hand. So
0: um, it's really interesting that you mentioned about digital art versus, you know, the traditional art. I mean, I find that when I'm viewing a piece of digital art, it seems perfect. You know, everything is aligned. It's very smooth. Um, in fact, when you're looking at a painting, this texture, some things seem a little bit unfinished, you can kind of really see individuality through that because everybody has a different style of making the artwork, not just in painting, but in any other, you know, um, artwork that's made by a human hand, you can kind of really see the it process That somebody took to make it it might be imperfect but it carries this human touch to it so i just wanted to ask how can accepting and then Mm -hmm. even
2: celebrating uh, imperfections be a source of mental wellness life is imperfect there are just we are swimming in this ocean of imperfections and sometimes drowning in that ocean of imperfections and i think that in order to um really be at peace with yourself and to really understand yourself you have to see the the imperfections the perceived imperfections because a lot of times they're not imperfections at all it's just things that are different things that um just qualities about you that may not be what you're you expected but just happen to be and i think that um if you can really just start Really liking those parts of yourself, or not even liking them, but just tolerating them, um, letting them be and letting them exist. I think that that is absolutely crucial to um self-image and self-worth, and also um growth too. Because if you if you pretend that you don't have like all these little things, like let's say um you know I have anxiety. It's just a thing that I've had for um a very long time, and so it. For a while, I just kind of pretended that it wasn't a problem. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to acknowledge this. We're just going to, and it will go away. But it actually got worse. And um, I realized that, you know, it's not, this is a thing that would be considered an imperfection. But really, it's um, honestly, the way I look at it is that it's my brain trying to protect me.
0: We're not perfect. We're human beings. You know, I think everybody at some point in their life has had you know, uh, a mental health crisis. Um, And Mm -hmm. rather than sort of, well, carrying on and saying, well, no, everything is absolutely fine. There are no cracks anywhere. Um, There's a very beautiful Japanese concept regarding um, pottery and cookery. I think it's cool. I'm probably not saying it correctly. I don't know if you can say
2: it. It's kintsugi, I believe.
0: But but I know
2: it and I love it.
0: (laughs) Exactly where, where if a pot is uh, cracked or broken, and when they repair it, they kind of paint it with gold paint because they feel that the damaged parts add beauty to it. The history of the of the crockery or the pot, the cracks they actually add beauty and value to it. And when um, I've been, I mean, the Palo when I was reading about him. He spent quite some time uh, in a mental institute because he had, you know, he had mental health crisis that he had to deal with. And when you look at him now, you know, he is changing millions and billions of lives through his words, through the messages in his book, you know, through his incredible successes. But I think it's also success, the fact that, He was able to go to, uh, you know, a mental health hospital. He was able to seek treatment there. Um, And there's countless, countless examples of people who are leading, people who are incredibly successful, and people who are quietly living their dreams as well, who have had these experiences. Um, You know, so I just wanted to ask you, what are
2: your thoughts on that? Well, you know, as someone who has gone through the mental crisis um, situation yeah it was um I was um 15 and uh there had been a lot of things going on um the classic bullying kind of a thing um I switched switched schools went to high school and unfortunately things did not get better my anxiety was in full flare and um I just really I became suicidal and it was um a very very difficult time and one day you know my luckily I had access to, um, a mental health, you know, crisis center. And so I was, uh, my parents took me there. And so I was there for, um, eight days and then just to kind of like recenter me and get me, you know, to a place where I could be safe to be, you know, out. And then I, um, went to a partial hospitalization, which was for about two months after that. And so it basically took the place of school and it was intensive therapy. And um, it's, it's funny because I haven't, it's not something that I've really talked about, especially at the time it was one of those things. Like, this was about 15 years ago. So it was definitely a different landscape. And especially being, you know, a high school girl, there were a lot. It was a heavy concept. And um, that, you know, I it could have gotten a lot worse for me if any of this had a, gotten out. Anyone. Um, I was already having problems with bullying. I didn't need any help. So, um, anyway, we ended up telling people that I had mono, um, for the time. And then I, you know, came back from that. And, um, I will say that the experience is, um, it was, it was crucial for me. I really do believe that it helped save my life. I believe, um, it was not a perfect experience, but nothing is, um, And I think that it was right for me at the time, especially. And um, it's something that actually um, it informed, it kind of got me started on art in general. Um, I'm, I'm so proud of you, Molly. You know, it's
0: incredibly brave that what you've shared and it's incredibly important as well, especially nowadays when you read in the news and the media, there's a growing incidence of children and young people committing suicide because of bullying just as a standalone cause. And at that young age, not only were you experiencing bullying, but, you know, you were having those crises of mental health, which is a great deal, uh, you know, a great amount to deal with as a young person. And then on top of that, you know, to try to keep it hidden so the bullying doesn't get worse. That's a huge burden that you went through. And I'm so proud of you for sharing that because um, it can help other people who are experiencing something similar to sort of understand that it's okay, you know, it's okay to talk about it. It's perfectly acceptable. It doesn't take anything away from you. In fact, it adds to you. It adds to your experiences. It adds to your courage, your resilience, and the beauty in your artwork, you know, the depth of your artwork—it communicates that message and the compassion that you, the compassion that you have in your character, as a result of those experiences that allow you to empathize with others. You know, uh, these are like little treasures, and you've been incredibly resilient. You've been incredibly resilient uh, and brave to have gone through that, and um, I'm sure not just your family, but people that know you and the fantastic work that you do, they must be incredibly proud of you. Um, And as for the bullying, you know, a a lot of times bullying is unfortunately because of jealousy. To deal with that in a certain context and then going through the experience of that partial hospitalisation at such a young age, um, what got you through that? I know art played a huge role, as you mentioned, what kind of techniques did you utilize to help yourself go
1: through
2: that phase, you know, and and to Honestly, survive it? Honestly, um, I what I did was I tried really hard. I figured I figured out pretty on and I early on, and I know maybe this isn't the attitude to have, but I was like, you know what, the way to get out of here is to do what they tell you to do. And I think that they realize that like we we all kind of figure that out eventually. And so that's why they tailor the therapy programs they get you into habits. Like good habits. Like journaling is one of the habits. Um, you know, really like figuring out like naming your emotions. That kind of a thing. And so I started doing it just because it's like I want out like I want I want this done. I want I want to do good. I want to be great at therapy, <laughs> you know, which is normal to want, not really, but <laughs> that was my um thought process at the time. I had a horrible time really being present and paying attention to anything so i would just take out my books and i would just draw through everything and especially when i would get anxious and back when i was um in school too i would be my gosh just sitting in a room with other students just you know sent me right up the anxiety hill so i just decided i had my sketchbook with me i had um my pencils i had gotten new ones at that point cuz the ones i had acquired at the hospital were very very poor quality but i i still have them i will treasure them forever but um and i would just i would just draw whatever i um was thinking about whatever i saw i drew a lot of people um and it was just kind of this thing to keep me balanced and i uh would draw things like from what i was watching what i was listening to um just trying to kind of keep myself level and keep myself okay for the time being it was kind of like a survival thing and so um yeah I just kind of went from there but I um I'm very I'm very fortunate to have had so many people in my life who were willing to help me and um who really supported me during this time you know I I
0: think I think you've touched upon quite a few themes there and um, very insightful. Thank you for sharing your insights. You, know, you talked about following rules in a sense to get through things. Yeah. And, I, and I feel personally because that was a sense of safety because you'd been in circumstances which were beyond your control, which were mm-hmm. possibly beyond your understanding because you were so young at that age. Oh, um, yeah. Sort of, yeah, so sort of sticking to rules, following yeah. rules. Um, because they felt safe, you know they they, they provided a sense of security and then kind of getting through that and and then, like you said, the people that you met, the relationships that you formed um you know and that journey as you're growing as a human you know as you're becoming a you know from a teenager to a young adult and then sort of maturing on from that, and the people that are in your in your journey. That are supporting you that you're learning from and who are also learning from you as well. And then I just want to ask you, in your art then, how was that reflected if you kind of analyze your artwork? Did you sort of start off with art, you know, art that kind of was sort of within the boundaries, within the kind of rule, accepted rules, and then later on that then that started sort of exploring because you mentioned now that you're experimenting using the medium of chicken wire as well. And, you know, there's something quite new and innovative um, because I feel art doesn't, it doesn't have to be something to be innovative. It doesn't have to be just technology-based. You know, innovation it could be something as as, as, as something as simple as using something traditional, but in a very, very creative way. So, so how did your art, Transition, and how did it evolve when as you did?
2: Oh boy, well, the evolution of my art um when i when I first started out, I was kind of just drawing the types of things that I saw, the things that I saw other people drawing. I think that's the imitation stage, so um I think that uh the imitation phase is um I think that's how a lot of people start out um with art. And I think it's a really good way to do it. You just draw, you see what your friends are drawing. You see, um, you know, like what, if you've got like a favorite TV show or band, you draw or paint something in their, like someone's style, you, you know, chase after that. If you get a lot of people, myself included, got really into like anime and manga for a little bit. And so I tried to do, you know, that style and it, I was not great at it. But um, it was it was too simple, too um, precise for me. But, um, so I started with the, uh, imitation phase and then I I realized I just kind of did things a little bit differently. I don't know how I used a lot of, um, very violent, uh, like scratchy kind of motions, like with a pencil or with, um, charcoal or something. I was, um, I was very messy and very aggressive with my art. And I think that that is at least partially a manifestation of, um, you know, my, the, Anger the anxiety internally in me, and I think that um, and so it's even when I am trying not to like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna have this be about my mental health. It's still a little bit about my mental health. Um, you can all you can tell a little bit about what I am feeling based on what is, and it's subconscious in a lot of ways. Um, so then um, sorry, what was the second part of? So it's basically like how my practice has gone from that point like on to now
0: um, yeah how did your art evolve
2: and you know Yes.
1: it's really it's really interesting
2: Mm -hmm. okay um and then um yeah i went to um i got into a school at um it's arcadia university it's um in pennsylvania and uh they had at the time i think they were the only uh school in the country that had a pre-art therapy program was like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to be an art therapist. I really think I believe in, you know, helping people in mental health settings. I believe in art. I thought it was a very, you know, uh, this will be a safe and good career path. And, um, so when I got there, I really, I was in a studio setting, like for the first time, um, like a really serious one. And that's where I learned gesture drawing. And I learned that I was, um, and very, very aggressive and that I would use um a lot of really just hard old big lines, um, and that small details don't always come out to me like I don't know so maybe I'm more of a see the forest, not the tree kind of person, but um so I went from that and then uh you know, to I eventually ended up at a different school and I uh took some painting classes and I realized um that I'm a real, like, just slap color on there and worry about it later kind of person, full saturation. Um, I discovered, uh, Francis Bacon, who is my favorite painter of all time, without a doubt. Um, I just, I saw, um, I saw a picture of his, um, his portrait after, uh, Pope Innocent. Um, and I was just, there was something about it. And so I got um, a book. I went and bought an art book of his work and I became a little bit obsessed with uh, what he was creating and um, just the way that, because I felt like he and I created similarly in that, you know, his portraits were very psychological. They were very, um, and mine were whether I wanted them to be or not. He did not do like the very, you know, subtle, very um like realistic kind of looks um especially with people i always had trouble um getting getting that right like i would um, always have you know the features would always be skewed or you know there would be things would not be measured correctly there would be some weird shadows on, on things it was just something that didn't click for me and then i saw francis bacon and i realized um just you know oh you can be an artist like that you can um You don't have to do everything perfectly, you know, and again, and that really, uh, it really inspired me to start seeking out the imperfections, is that when I see his work, I'm not just seeing his painting, I'm seeing him. I, If I were in a room with a Francis Bacon, hopefully someday, hopefully someday I can get to a place and see one in real life, but I will not be alone in the room because I will be able to see him there. He puts himself into the work honestly, authentically and um, you know, just he he lays it out and that is that. And I feel like I know him just by looking at how he sees the world, how he handles color, how he constructs his works. So that is where I'm currently in the place where I am working towards that. It's um I I am in such a great time of growth, I think, personally, artistically, etc. um but it's also kind of hard to be in that place, especially as you're trying to you know be a professional and really like nail down um, who you are as an artist and who you are as a creator and um, I'm hoping to get more to a place and every time I you know complete a painting or I make something new, I am getting one step closer to really that full and complete honesty, which isn't something that I think maybe I'll never be able to attain It's just because of full 100% honest how much how many of us are really truly 100% honest in every single thing that we do even to ourselves I think that that's um again it's very human to not be honest it's not that we're dishonest it's just that we're not honest in a lot of the time and um it's something that I I still want to continue to chase and to find that place of honesty that authenticity that love in the imperfection and um Really, just so. So, hopefully, someday when someone's looking at a piece of mine, uh, a piece of mine, they will see it, and I'll be in the room with them. I
1: think you
0: know you talked very much in depth about that process and about Francis Bacon and sort of seeing the artist through his art. It's a very powerful concept that you have touched upon because, again there is a very uh, deep relationship between the particular piece of artwork and the artist. How do you put yourself in your artwork? So when we're looking at one of your artworks, what what kind of clues can we look out for
1: to see Molly in there?
2: Oh, boy. Um, well, you know, the thing that I have touched on before, imperfection. I think um that is it is one of the things that I like most about myself is that I don't do it perfectly. I think that um I am trying to really um push that idea. And so you will see things that are messy um color again like I said in the very beginning that color is kind of the core of everything. I hope although you know maybe I'll regret saying this now but I hope that I never make anything be de- saturated. I hope that it is all color all the time. I hope that um when you're looking at a piece of my work, it is unavoidable, whether you like it or not. But you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, okay, there she is. And uh, and maybe you can always count on me doing something a little weird, a little unexpected. Um and I hope that it um just has and I guess it's sort of a you know a je ne sais quoi, if you will, about how with any artist, like, you know, when you're looking at a Van Gogh, you can just tell a lot of the times. And when you're looking at uh, Picasso. You you just know. And so I'm hoping that I can really nail that down and make it so that you you're looking at Amali and you know. <laughs> so look out for a uh, look out for a lot of uh, weird textile stuff. I'm doing a lot with uh, that um, chicken wire. Uh, I've gotten into fabric a bit. I'm doing um I'm doing a lot with patterns now in my paintings. Um checkerboard patterns. I've always, I've always liked a good checkerboard pattern, um, messy strokes, you know, just kind of, um, going with my gut. So look for that. (laughs) That's a lot of things. And so hopefully, so hopefully you can find at least one of them in any one of my works.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. And can you share
2: some of your, um, happiest art moments? Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, happiest art moments. Well, um, I would say, um, oh, when I was um in when I was in high school and I transferred to a new school and um I had decided to um take art and they had it as like a minor class and so what you could do instead of like a major class, so you could take um, it would be two days a week and you would have art and so I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna take art and I met um my art teacher, uh, Mrs. Giblin, who was just spectacular uh really understood me from day 1 and um a happy moment there was when um we also did painting for the musicals and uh we would paint the backdrops we would paint the sets kind of thing and um my senior year I was selected to paint um, and design uh this one scene a couple of different panels that would be moved out and I was like wow I could do this forever. I love this. Um, Oh, boy. Another one definitely just, um, anytime I have a good critique, (laughs) I think that's a a happy moment. And um, I had a lot of that. um, I went to uh, Messiah College for a time, which is a local Christian school around here. And uh, again, I had a wonderful professor, Daniel Finch, just a great guy who, again, just kind of like, he saw me and got me, which was, you know I I never expected to because I have I tend to kind of shrink up instead of be vulnerable and um that was wonderful and then um I recently uh last summer I submitted um, a piece of mine, a Paeta too to um my city's uh art association and it was their jury show and I said you know what I'm gonna throw it in I bet I'm not even gonna get in and uh, I got in and I actually got best in show which was um I was completely shocked. I mean I thought it was good, but you know, it was you know it's something else when someone else tells you, Hey, this is good but um and that was just what a moment of joy. <laughs> what a moment of joy. And uh Yeah, and, and when I figured out to work with the uh chicken wire when I really started and I made my first thing with that, I was like, you know, there's something in this and that was that was a happy moment too. I've been I've been so lucky, I've been so blessed to have so many happy moments with um, what I've been able to do. And so I'm, I'm you know, I don't want to tempt fate, but I'm looking forward to more. Hopefully, I don't want to see 3 but I'll, I'll take as many as I can get. <laughs>
0: Absolutely wonderful to hear. Um, and then what does the future look for you as an artist? So what's the future outlook for Molly as an
2: artist? Cool. I want to go big and say The Met. I'm coming for the Met. <laughs> I'm going to try to get something in the Met. And I hope uh, I'm going to just, like, get it out there. And that's that. Um, The future, more realistically, <laughs> at least for now. I'm sure like, you. Uh, at some, some point fun. you will. You will. Hold <laughs> on to that dream.
0: Come I'll time. at least visit.
2: I, uh, you know what? You have it on record, time. me
0: telling you, you will.
2: <laughs> I, I was going to say now it has to have it up I'll be expecting their call in the next few days so um, you know Matt you have my number call my people <laughs> um, no but I um, more immediately I just hope to keep um, getting into as much trouble as I can with this whole art thing I hope I keep I plan on just kind of pushing myself pushing my work um, taking opportunities as they come um, I hope to keep meeting people, um, I hope to really start um, getting into more personal art, like regarding you know my issues with mental health. I also have some uh, chronic health issues that I would really like to really start talking about because again, it's not something that I always talk about, but it has um, greatly affected me and you know changed my life in some ways for the better and in many ways for the worse. And um, I hope to be open and I hope to be uh, growing, and I just hope that um, yeah, I hope for the Met. I'm just or the Tate Modern. I'll settle. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's not even settling. I would love to go there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, the Louvre too. Why not? Why not? Let's like, while we're dreaming big. Why not? Why not?
0: Because if you look at exactly. Van-, Van Gogh and all the other artists, it's there was the element of struggle there, Molly. There was an element of struggle. And after that struggle, they made it big, and I'm sure you will because you've got some really fantastic artwork, some really in depth, and it's just you know when you talk about colour and drama, and it's just wonderful. Some of your artwork is really, really beautiful. Um, what would be your, um, you know, what would be your message, um, um, or your, you know, your final words uh, as such in terms of the interview? I think. Um
2: As just a general thing, I think the most important thing we can be in this world is to be kind. I do believe and if you can't be kind, be simple. Be understanding of people. Be you know, the classic, like, treat people how you want to be treated. I really do believe that, you know, we we have a responsibility to each other. To, you know, share joy and laughter and heartache. And I think you know, take a chance and be open emotionally. Um and just, you know, keep keep trying. And things things will eventually shake out somehow. And it may not be how you thought it would look, but it's it's gonna be I mean, I never thought I would end up like if you asked me, you know, ten years ago if I would <laughs> if I ever thought I was gonna be being interviewed for something, I would be like, um, no, probably not, and yet here we are. <laughs> and it's been wonderful. And, um, so, uh, don't count yourself out, but at the end of the day, just try to be, you know, a decent person.